You're going to have hardships in your life and adversity. And if you don't learn how to deal with that emotionally and with confidence in yourself, if you don't learn how to deal with that, you're going to have problems later on. So I feel like there's too many ways out for kids now. And are we really helping them with that? Welcome to Sports Mom Rapport, where we support and connect with moms of athletes while sharing helpful advice from each other and some guest experts along the way. This is Tara. And I'm Destiny. Thank you for joining us as we highlight you incredible moms. Destiny, today we're going to be chatting with our very first guest expert, Karen Worth. Karen is the Assistant Director of Strength and Conditioning at the University of Florida. She's also a mom and a former Division I All-American athlete. I am really looking forward to hearing Karen's story and having her share her expertise with us. I'm honestly anxious to hear about her journey from athlete, then turned firefighter, and now her current role working with student athletes. Most definitely. She has embraced so many different positions, all of which require a lot of strength and body preparation and care. I can see how she would be so relatable to her current athletes. I bet she is. I'm curious to hear what her advice would be for moms of athletes regarding injury prevention, and it'll be cool to listen to the way she incorporates her teachings and her personal philosophies into her role as a mom. Totally. Let's get started. We're just so excited to have you as our first guest expert speaking on the topic of strength and conditioning in collegiate athletics here on Sports Mom Rapport. So will you introduce us and tell us a little bit about yourself and your own athletic background? Wow. Okay. I'm really excited to be here with you all. My name is Karen Worth. I am the Assistant Director of Strength and Conditioning at the University of Florida. And I've worked with Olympic sports at UF for almost 26 years. I was an athlete at University of Florida back in the 1980s. I was a 10-time All-American swimmer. I think my passion for UF really started when I signed my letter of intent back in uh, 1984. I think that's where my passion for UF sports in general began. And have you been at Florida ever since? I moved away after college to South Florida, but I've been back up since 1996. December of 96, I moved back to Gainesville. I graduated in 1988 from University of Florida. Now you're a mom. Who are you mom to? I am mom to Gabriel Travis, and I have a wife and her name's Judy. We only have one son. We're so lucky that we get to spend a lot of time with him except sometimes it doesn't feel like enough when we both have to travel for work and so forth. But we make it work just like most of you all. But he's definitely lucky to have two moms. We always tell him because I sure loved my mom. Absolutely. He is a sports kid as well. He plays lacrosse, which is not super big in the South, but I think it's growing and he's starting to integrate with the high school players at his school, and he's in middle school. So it's been fun to watch him grow. I was actually intrigued. I was reading a little bit of your bio online, Karen. Okay. And noticed that you had a stint in firefighting. 
And I wanted to see what influenced your transition from collegiate athlete to firefighting and then into strength and conditioning coaching. That's a great question. I didn't dream of being a firefighter growing up. I became a beach lifeguard right out of college because obviously I knew how to swim. So that was an easy job to transition to. So I worked at Miami Beach. I was a full-time lifeguard with benefits and everything. And a lot of the co-workers were men who worked in the fire service. And they were part-time lifeguards on their days off. And they kind of talked me into trying out with the city of Miami. They said, you would be great. It's a great job, higher pay. We think you can do it. And so if you dare a high school or collegiate athlete, what do you think they're going to do, right? (laughs) Definitely try it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I got hired. Luckily, my first time I did the process of applying, it took like a year The process is long because they have to vet lots of people. So I went through in 1990 with a class of 25 firefighter recruits. We were trained by the city of Miami Fire Department and took our state test. And then I went to paramedic school after my first year on the job on the side. So it was a lot of work, but I wouldn't have changed it for anything. I I still am very good friends with a lot of the people I worked with in Miami. They're like brothers and sisters to me because you live with them for 24 hours at a time, dealing with adversity and you're helping people and saving lives and sometimes seeing death and all that. And so I think it was just a great experience to work in that kind of environment. And I know I didn't want to live in Miami for 30 to 35 years just because it's it's really crowded and I like a little space. So moved back up to Gainesville and I networked with the athletic association through Jeremy Foley, who used to be our athletic director. He was here when I swam at Florida. So, you know, I said, Hey, I really want to get into athletics. I want to get a job. And so I sent him a letter and he responded and he said, well, we'll keep an eye out for you. We'd really love to have you. And then a few months later, I was able to get hired as an assistant swim coach with the women's team. So I got right in. And then after a year of coaching swimming, my passion was weightlifting. I was already doing bodybuilding. I really loved lifting weights. And so I had made a really good relationship with the director of strength and conditioning. His name was Rob Glass. He still works at Oklahoma State. He's a big time strength guy in in our field. And he added a position for me and the rest is history. I've been there almost 26 years. Wow. That's impressive. When I think about how many people, I actually personally know a firefighter, my stepdad worked his way up. He had a family lineage, kind of a legacy of firemen. Everything he's talked about with the camaraderie. And like you said, I mean, you're together with the people that are in your firehouse for so many hours, so many days, and you're enduring so many hardships that he speaks so highly. Even today he attends, I mean, sadly, he's attending funerals because he's of older age and they're starting to pass away. And because a lot of what you put your body through as a firefighter is just 
it's just incredible what you go through. And so hats off to you for that time you served. Yeah. And, you know, I was in my 20s. I could do anything. If you told me to put up a ladder or carry something like I was confident and strong, I knew I could do whatever the guys were doing. It's funny because I do have female athletes that asked me, what did you do after college? I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, well, if you like something that's physical and something that you can be a part of a big family and you're slightly interested in it, you should look at firefighting because you're strong. They want strong women to join their departments. So I always try to push that on some of them, at least for an idea. I think it's really right down the line for female athletes that finish their career. That's very admirable. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A really cool transition, especially for women. Like you mentioned, there aren't that many women in the field, but with your athletic training and your strength and then building that team, looking out for each other. So that must have given you such an appreciation and getting to use your strength and conditioning background too. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we had a department of 600 people and 30 of us were women out of all that. There was only 30 women. And during a shift, we may not see another woman because there's three shifts and like 12 stations. Mm -hmm. So you may not see another female firefighter your whole shift, but sometimes we would ride together. Like it just depended on where you got slotted. It was so much fun. It was hard work, but I mean, I wish I could have stayed the whole time, but then I wouldn't have done what I do now. You always think back, like, why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I do that? But because there's always something new and different and a new challenge, I think it all fell into place to this day. Right. The choices that we make just lend us to where we are today. And I mean, I feel like everything happens for a reason and it all, it all works out. Absolutely. Going back to your time as a student athlete, how does being a former 10-time All-American swimmer at Florida impact how you relate to the current student athletes that you train? It gives me some clout for sure, because they know what I've done, but it is different times. And I tell them, like, I wasn't a famous person on my team. Like, I swam with Olympians and gold medalists and women who had like 28 time All-American, Dara Torres, she was a sprinter. We went to high school together and then she followed me here to Florida. I tell them like, even though I was really good nationally, I still was a role player on my team. So I had to accept my role. We ended up getting second twice and third twice in the country. We never won the national championship as a team, but we had so many national champions as individuals. And would I change it to go to the place, which was University of Texas? All four years I swam at Florida, they won the women's title. And I got recruited there and I could have gone there. But you know what? I think back, I wouldn't change it because I loved my teammates. Our coaches made us better. And University of Florida is a fantastic institution. So I wouldn't change that even looking back on it just to win national titles. 
Thinking about the current state and collegiate athletics and the transfer portal and just how many athletes are sometimes enticed for the wrong reasons to either transfer or maybe attend a university because it has the notoriety that they're looking for going into it. I love to hear that you chose Florida for a set reason and you stuck with it Mm -hmm. and embraced the role that you served on the team. And I do imagine your current athletes that hear about that that probably carries a lot of weight for them. Yeah. When I talk to them, I tell them transferring wasn't really even a thing back then. Like, obviously, right now, it's a little crazy. But because you were taught as a kid, that you're going to have hardships. And obviously, if it's something that's wrong, yes, you need to let somebody know and do something about it. But you're going to have hardships in your life. And adversity. And if you don't learn how to deal with that emotionally and with confidence in yourself, if you don't learn how to deal with that, you're going to have problems later on. So I feel like there's too many ways out for kids now. And are we really helping them with that? I like that. Commit yourself fully to what you choose, respect your path. Yes. And, and embrace it, make the most of it and appreciate, you know, where you are. Karen, what would you say for aspiring athletes, those that are currently junior high, high school, maybe with aspirations to compete collegiately, what can they be doing to enhance physicality and prevent injury as their sport demands more time and commitment? Yeah, this is a huge area that we're lacking in. Well, not collegiate strength and conditioning, but as strength and conditioning in the big picture, the high school level and club level, they don't have enough resources and qualified people to train them the way they need to be trained. Um, And this is something I've been thinking about for a long time is networking with high schools or performance places that deal with these athletes to make sure they're doing all the injury risk reduction exercises, programs and conditioning to help keep them safe throughout their high school years so they can perform well as soon as they go to their first year in college. Especially working with a lot of female athletes, we get women that are injured coming in from high school. And it's really hard for them mentally going to college because they may have to redshirt their first year or miss time. And that's really hard on a college freshman. And so, you know, my goal someday is to help that parameter of what you just talked about, the high school aspiring student athletes that want to play or compete in some way in college, no matter what division it is. I think you're in on something. I think you're really thinking progressively. And just in my own experience, I currently have my daughter who's committed to Michigan to do gymnastics. About three months ago, had her hip labrum repaired and she is on the road to recovery and it's exciting, but it is, it's emotionally draining. It's difficult. She is going into college knowing that she's on a path to recovery and going to kind of have to regain and rebuild. Mm -hmm. And then I have a freshman in in high school who plays soccer. And Mm -hmm. she said to me, mom, what can I be doing now Mm -hmm. so that I don't have the injuries that happen in college? And I was stumped. What can we be doing? We ended up going to a physical therapy office 
-hmm. and they did a full body wellness evaluation and they watched how she moved and they watched how she did single leg squats and just kind of the way that she did different movements. Okay. And then they did, they created a plan for that. I think the challenge is it's not covered by insurance. You're paying out of pocket because a lot of this is seen as extra or not necessary, but in the preventative world, it would make so much more sense for the longevity of their bodies. Yes. Yeah. We actually at UF, we do like a performance screen with our physical therapy team at the OSMI, which is where our doctors and physical therapists that work with our teams work. Right when they come in, most teams will utilize this resource just so we can get a baseline, even if you're completely healthy coming in. Because we want to know as strength and conditioning professionals where everybody stands as far as what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, if it's a mobility issue, whatever it is, flexibility or strength issue, like we want to know how to train each individual as well as team issues. I worked soccer for 20 years. I just finished. My last year was this past fall. Um, I did them for 20 years. And that is a very dangerous sport, especially for women, especially knees. I think you're on the right path with getting things going as she's in ninth grade because a lot of things happen to female soccer players during their high school years and in college. But I think once they get to college, we have our hands on them so we can put them through daily exercises and balance work, proprioception and bounding, like running drills that actually help train the joints in particular ways, not just trying to run fast, but can you also stop? deceleration is just as important as acceleration. Soccer is a big sport that we like to try to stay away from the ACL injury. I mean, it happens in gymnastics sometimes, but I don't think it's prevalent as the field sports like soccer and lacrosse. When women plant and their joint can't take that force, it will buckle. So it's training. Sometimes it's going to happen if you're in a contact situation. You could do all the training in the world and you still might have that catastrophic injury. But most of the time, if you're doing the right things as a program and a strength coach, you're going to stay away from those issues. Sounds like doing the basics and sticking to the basics and finding someone that can develop a program around your body so that you can prevent injury as soon as possible. Absolutely. And 13 years old, 14 years old is definitely a time that women need to start lifting weights. And it doesn't have to be super heavy, but they have to make sure they're doing some sort of squatting movement and hamstring exercises because strong hamstrings help prevent ACL injuries. And with gymnastics, they're very quad dominant. Women in general are very quad dominant. So we forget to train the backside of our legs. Track athletes, women have very strong hamstrings, but every other sport are pretty much quad dominant. So we have to do extra hamstring strengthening. That's interesting and makes sense. I know personally, I feel like I've always been very quad dominant, even though I'm not playing a sport. 
having to balance and get strength throughout your body so that you're preventing injury. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure that the athletes that come and get examined by you all, they have that level of comfort and reassurance knowing that you're looking out for them and helping them prevent injury. A big thing when we have recruits, because most of the time parents come with the recruits, we tell them about our program. So when we show them the weight room, the athletic trainer and the strength coach work side by side. And we are discussing not just with the student athletes, but with the parents, how we have a structured, detailed program focused on injury risk reduction, as well as performance, because we want to increase athletic performance, but we don't want to forget about injury risk reduction. Sure. How do you create these training plans for each particular sport that you coach? I'm sure that there's some crossovers between some of the sports. I noticed that you had the gymnasts and the divers working out a bit together during the summer. What types of crossovers do you have between them and how do you create these training plans? That's a great question because each sport has its differences, but we're training athletes to get stronger, to get more power. Some sports require more endurance, like soccer and cross country, but most sports are power sports. If you look across all the sports, almost all of them have a huge power aspect. Baseball, softball, football, basketball, although basketball has a lot of endurance and endurance factor as well. But each strength coach has a different philosophy as far as how to get to where they need to go. So they could implement different exercise prescription. That means you would pick certain exercises probably to achieve the same results. Some coaches like Olympic lifts, like power cleans and snatches and clean and jerk. And some coaches like power lifting would be like benching, squatting and deadlift. And you can incorporate all that as a strength and conditioning coach. You don't have to just pick one way but you can see what works with how you coach. If you feel more comfortable coaching a certain way, you could pick a certain type of exercise. And then sets and reps, that's a whole different thing. If you're doing reps for power, you're going to stay in like the two to four to five reps max. You're not going to train like a CrossFitter that does cleans like 20 to 100 times because your form breaks down. So we want good form all the time in the weight room. We don't want anybody ever getting injured lifting weights because we're lifting weights to minimize injury risk out on the field or in the gym or wherever. We want it to be 100% safe, but as well as pushing yourself. We want kids to give effort. We want them to push, but we're not going to give them something that they're going to get hurt. So power is two to five reps, strength is six to eight, and then what's called hypertrophy, which means gaining actual muscle size, that would be like a bodybuilder, that would be eight to 12 reps of a heavy load. These athletes are not trying to be bodybuilders, but- That's right. Some of them, I'm sure, are trying to get stronger. Yes. If you're a basketball guy and you need to gain muscle mass, then you might need to be in that zone a little bit more than maybe like a big post player guy that just needs to work on his power and strength. He might not need to gain any more muscle mass. 
obviously nutrition has a lot to do with this and everything else, but that's kind of the format of what is the athlete's goals? What are the coach's goals? If you're a soccer team, do you want a possession oriented team or do you want to kick the ball directly and try to run and score that way? As well as basketball, are you a pressing team or do you just play a zone like the Syracuse men, you know? So there's going to be certain coaching aspects that the strength coach needs to work with, like what kind of energy and demands do we need to push them for how you want to play? your tactical scheme of playing. So we have to work directly with coaches on what kind of athletes they want. I love how you explain that, help understand endurance, power, yeah. building muscle, how you approach it and how you are working with the trainers and all. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about injury prevention, but when an athlete does experience injury, you obviously are working closely with the physicians and athletic trainers. How does then the training plan for strength and conditioning shift? That's a great question. Obviously, we will go into like a modified lifting program for that individual. We will progress them as an athletic trainer gets more and more release from the physical therapist. So say someone gets surgery for something then they're under the doctor's care, and then it goes to the physical therapist. The physical therapist will work directly with the athletic trainer. And then once the athletic trainer can do some of the physical therapy, then the strength coach can help the athletic trainer modify exercises that are similar to what the rest of the team is doing. So it's a sequence of events. And we just follow protocols as far as the numbers and how well someone's doing with their physical therapy will kind of give shape to what they can do in the weight room. We all work together from the doctors on down. It sounds like Florida has this incredible holistic approach when it comes to strength and conditioning and everything that you just referenced. What would you say may be a red flag to athletes if they are a recruited athlete and they're attending a university and maybe they don't see that holistic approach? I think the biggest thing is being pushed, even if you're injured and you've reported an injury, but yet your coach says, well, you still need to play. I think it still happens. I hope it doesn't, but I think that's probably an issue when someone's not really ready to play, but the coach kind of persuades the athletic trainer and pressures them. And that shouldn't happen. I know coaches at Florida know their lanes because they trust their performance team. It works so well that way, but I do know I'm sure it happens elsewhere. And that's just a sad thing to see because you could actually hurt someone more. Mm -hmm. That yeah. holistic approach, you take good care of everyone and make sure that they're ready when they're going to go out there and perform. Yeah. So looking at all of your accolades, 10-time All-American swimmer for the Gators, and you won some bodybuilding competitions, serving mm -hmm. the city of Miami as a firefighter, paramedic, you're obviously a really high achiever, and you have a competitive sports nature. How do you think that your successes have influenced your son? And do you think that he feels any pressure to be a student athlete? I definitely think it does. 
I try not to be too pushy, but I know that I am at times. I think he deals with it pretty well, actually, because he knows what I do. But he doesn't always listen to me all the time because I'm his mom. So I think when he really wants to know something or he wants to get better, he'll ask. But if I just force information on him, he's like, well, you're just my mom now and I don't want to know. What I try to do is surround him with good coaches. His coaches are really good and they're all men. You know, I'll talk with the coaches every so often and just try to get some feedback from them. I always respect coaches. Some parents are very pushy and I never want to be that parent because I know what it feels like. But I do network with the coaches and I think male coaches for Gabe is a very good influence for him because he lives with two women. And I think it's just a really important piece in his life. A division one college coach's wife. With my girls, I try not to be in quotation marks that parent that yeah. is going in <laughs> and complaining about X, Y, and Z. And I try to, like you, stay in my lane. And when the girls have questions, share my thoughts, but not be too overly invasive. And like you said, trusting the coaches that you have them working with. Mm -hmm. And if there comes a time that you feel like they're being pressured or they just are putting too much on themselves, then maybe you're talking to the coaches about yeah. how they can support your child. Right. right. I agree with you. They carry a lot of pressure when the parents have had success yeah. as athletes. Exactly. You're serving as a really terrific resource as well. And that's yeah. nice that you recognize the influence that the coaches are having. Obviously, it takes a village yes. to raise someone. He seems to have respect for you being such an expert in your field, but it is tough. For example, my father was a doctor and whenever he would tell my mom what she needed to do, she didn't want to listen, you know, yeah. or and my husband was sure. a great skier. And when we go out skiing, I don't want him to tell me what to do. I need to hear it from a professional. It's just different <laughs> when you have that relationship yeah. and you're so close, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So do you have any particular advice that you give him to try to maintain a pressure-free zone in your home? We really work with him on time management skills. Like he knows his academics, he knows his sports, but he sometimes struggles with his schedule and keeping up with everything at once. I think that's a big thing for any student athlete is how can they look forward, not just for today, but what do I need? Because I'm going to have practices. So how do I structure my next few days so I can be ready for that test in a week or whatever it is? And I think what they do great at UF is they have strategy tutors. So not just content. So not like you just need tutoring in mathematics or whatever. They actually have strategy tutors to help student athletes organize themselves and be efficient and be ready for their future exams or any kind of competitions. So I think that strategy is huge and it starts in elementary school and middle school. Yeah. So you noticed that at Florida and you've translated it into your own yeah. to make sure yeah. that he's prepared. That's terrific. Yeah. And we're still trying to get better at it <laughs> every day. It's a process. Yes. So you obviously have a super busy schedule training all of these incredible student athletes. 
If you had a day to yourself, Karen, okay, what would you spend it doing? Wow. If that well, ever happened, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I have a boat. I have a 20-foot Riballo. It's an offshore boat. And it sits in my driveway most of the time. But when we do get time off, we do like to go to the ocean, the St. Augustine or somewhere, which is like two hours away. We really like boating and fishing and just being outdoors. We love camping. So I would say anything outdoors. And we have three dogs, so they always get to come too. Sounds like great getaways. Yeah. So do you have any guilty pleasures or pet peeves that you'd like to share with us? I don't know if I have any guilty pleasures, but I don't like when people are late or even close to being late. I work well with others when they need some adjustment to any kind of schedule issues that they might have. I point them in the positive direction and tell them that it will help them down the road if they come 15 minutes early. You're setting them up for success. That's right. I'm only helping. Absolutely. I sometimes will set my agenda 15 minutes ahead of a scheduled appointment so that I will arrive early. Yeah. But then I can't remember if I set it actually for the real time or 15 <laughs> minutes early. So then I'm wondering, when is my appointment? Actually, did I trick myself on this one <laughs> or is this my real appointment time? Right. Either way, I still end up early if I can do that. That's right. That's right. One little trick I do. I like it. Destiny, <laughs> you and I are both a little uh, uh, like to time. like to fit in a lot of things <laughs> all at the same time, pushing it oh, to the last moment. So funny. One of my daughters will sit in the car and just honk and honk like, mom, get in the car. I have to be there. I have to be there. <laughs> and, you know, it echoes because it's coming out of the garage. I'm like, oh, boy. Well, good. That means that yeah. I think girls see the importance more than boys as far as time. I don't know if I'm just generalizing that, but I see it more because I work with some male athletes. And if they just walk in like a couple minutes early, like they don't get it. But the women are like, let's go. We're going to get in trouble. Interesting. What advice do you have for moms of aspiring athletes? Just stay in the moment. Don't look too far ahead. Don't look in the past. Just stay positive with your student athlete because they're going to have ups and downs. And they have, especially with younger middle school, high school age kids, they're going through puberty. They have a lot of emotions. So they could tip really far one way or the other. What I tell my son is try not to get too high or too low. There's another day. If you have something that happens that's hard, there's always tomorrow. There's another day. And he's still learning this. Like it's a daily thing. I'm reminding him just stay in the moment and keep your emotions in check as much as you can. Well, it sounds like Gabriel and the student athletes at Florida are incredibly lucky to have you, Karen. Well, I'm the lucky one. Thank you so much, Karen. You have been so informative. We really appreciate all the education and advice and outlooks that you have shared with us today. Please invite me to the next podcast or podcasts, and I would love to hear what you all bring to the table. Will do. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Karen. We're so glad you've joined us today. Thank you for listening. 
Upcoming episodes and show info can all be found at sportsmomreport.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend. We'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us with any comments or if you or someone you know would like to share their story and connect with us.